This monster was very clearly inspired by a very famous time-traveling doctor. And Doctor Who, you ask? I'll never tell. This idea was very well executed for Starfinder. Today we're talking about the scene. Hello everyone, welcome to the Maple Table, my name's Nathaniel. This is a channel where we discuss lore around some of your favorite role-playing games such as Starfinder, Werewolf the Apocalypse, that's something you're interested in. This particular horror comes out of Alien Archives 4, page 106. Any attempt to research the scene has not gone well for anyone who's tried to do it. The first expedition or the first research experiment that was done for the scene, or on the scene, it really gave them their name when this happened. The research operation was led by a Kasathan team aboard the Adari. This particular biophysics group paid some mercenaries an extraordinarily large amount of money. Like, it should impress Abadar. It, it was a lot of money. The mercenaries were tasked with bringing a scene, or bringing one of the scene, to the lab alive and as unharmed as possible. Now, this particular research team, they kept this creature in isolation for two days. I mean, they'd really only had it for two days when an explosion from an unknown force basically knocked all their equipment offline. It's not believed that the blast was targeted for their research facility, but something happened in the area, and as a side effect, their equipment went down. And while the equipment did go down, most of their research equipment or their data, it actually stayed online. And not only did it stay online, they didn't lose their data, so... Good on them for having some extra power backups. When the power was restored and the team was finally able to go back and collect their research and get back into the laboratory and see if their creature had disappeared, what they found when they went back into the laboratory to make sure their monster was still there, it changed their perception of this monster and what researchers knew about the scene forever. The surveillance footage that was recovered it was still intact, and the security cameras that were watching this creature, watching the scene, they remained online as well. And this is what led to the biggest discovery about this creature. While the cameras were on, and while they were pointed at this thing, it never changed its physical shape. That may not sound like such a big deal, oh, oh no, somebody's watching me, but stick around with me for a minute and I'll tell you why that's such a big deal. The reason that one of these monsters, the scene, is very difficult to capture is because if you're not looking at it, it changes shape. But the second you are looking at it, it reverts back to a common form. What was such a big deal about this discovery was that no one was watching the cameras. And it was this that was very important. And from here, the realm of quantum physics really started to explode and change various knowledges around what a creature could do and just even what quantum physics could do. Since then, I don't think any more of this creature have been captured for closer observation. At least if anybody tried, they never came back. The scene's deadly nature. It is a very, very dangerous creature. It also doesn't really communicate, and no one really knows if it's because it can't, because there's no mouth, or if it chooses not to, because it's believed that they communicate telepathically between each other. 
And because these creatures have no mouth, it's not really well agreed on what these things will do when they catch their prey. Nobody has ever reported sightings of the scene eating their prey, and in their unobserved form, which no one has seen, maybe they have a big mouth, maybe they eat their prey then, but in their observed form, they do have four limbs, two arm-like appendages and two leg-like appendages, and at the end of each of these arms and legs, there is a giant, long, kind of thin-looking claw. And around their upper abdomen, kind of the ribcage area, there is some spikes there as well. They do look pretty thin, like someone who hasn't eaten a lot of food or any food for a while. And for the rare few encounters where someone has seen one of them and lived to tell the tale, these stories have worked their way into local folklore and are used as scary stories around a campfire or making your children afraid of you to do what you want them to. There's also a lot of conspiracy theories that float around the infosphere centering around these creatures. So it's good to know that even in space, you still have tinfoil hats. And for those who have encountered the scene and lived to tell the tale, they talk about how intelligent these creatures are. They work together. They're very rarely alone, but all the stories are very consistent. The scene herded them and maneuvered them around. And there's no real discernible patterns when it comes to how these things move, which is a major sign of very, very strong intelligence. And there has been no reports ever given of a hive or a colony or some sort of dwelling or territory where these things live. What is a little bit more of nightmare fuel is the fact that because they have no mouths, they don't appear to breathe, they can live or they can happen to be in any environment. The vacuum of space, the jungles of Vesk 6, the toxic waste that is Octurn, that alone should be enough to fuel some nightmares for some of you. Modern science has really expanded the understanding of everyone involved in the Starfinder universe. Many mysteries have been unraveled, but the scene are really one of the few mysteries left in the universe. And it's believed that if someone was to unravel the mystery of the scene, you would also unlock the mystery that is quantum mechanics. When the scene change, it happens at a molecular level. And as we've discussed, it doesn't matter if that's from human eyes or just straight technology. As long as it is observed, it changes shape. While it is in its observed form, it has to follow the same rules that everyone else does. It is physical. It cannot just walk through walls. It can be scanned by things. So that's a bonus. In its unobserved form, it is more incorporeal. There is no physical body to it. It can pass through walls. It can go through barriers. This is part of what makes it so friggin' hard to catch. And in its unobserved form, it is fast. Like, very, very fast. Stories abound of the survivors from the scene encounters. They talk about hearing galloping or these kind of hoof prints. But again, you never see it in its unobserved form. As soon as you look in its general direction, it goes back to being observed. There are actually two theories about these creatures from where they came from and why it is they are doing what they're doing, which again, nobody knows. The first one has been around for a little while. 
it is found more in the fringes of the scientific community and the dark sphere. It is believed that the seen are extraplanar beings, and the only reason that they show up in the material plane is to feed. The main argument to support this is whenever there has been a seen encounter, there's no bodies left. Either they swallow their victims whole when nobody is watching, simply because if you kill everyone, then there are no witnesses. A recent theory put forth by a witch warper has actually started gaining traction in not only the scientific community, but also those same dark sphere info web things. This witch warper is a Kasathan who goes by the name of Hildar Don Damus. And the theory that he has proposed is that the seen are actually beings who have come to investigate our own reality because their reality is different than ours. And what they are doing is they are not murdering people, they are not eating people, they are in fact taking whoever it is they've encountered back to their reality for their own research. Regardless of what is actually happening, both of these theories are argued strongly on the infosphere. And even in the future, it's very easy to start a flame war on the internet. Many members of the scientific community are also posting massive bounties, huge rewards for a group of mercenaries or adventurers who are brave enough, bold enough, dumb enough to go try and collect one of the scene. The reason these rewards are so high is to try and motivate a group to go out and get one and get paid. However, the odds of collecting on that bounty are very, very slim. So what are my thoughts on the scene? I like the scene. I enjoy this concept. I liked it in Doctor Who, but to see it executed into the tabletop game and, and see how it's done, I really like it. Just FYI, this is definitely a higher level monster. It's a CR 12 monster, so don't be throwing this at your level one players without some serious modification. I could see with some slight modifications if you wanted to tweak this monster just a little bit, um, it would be possible to make them more along the lines of the silence. And that would be really interesting to do as well. Someone with a good creative mind or a, or a good understanding of those types of stories where the characters don't remember their, remember their history or remember just things. You could do a really good head trip campaign and that is something that I would love to do as kind of a one shot. If you have a Witch Warper character in your group, maybe allow them to experiment with some different realities. Or if you're telling a story that involves multiple realities, maybe that could be a good bit of a head trip as well. We just don't know where these guys come from. And that's going to be half the fun is maybe they're a reality police in your game or Maybe you want to have them be those creatures that move between realities. Maybe they fix issues related to different realities, or maybe a reality is collapsing, and if you start to see a lot of these guys, that, that that's problems for you. <laughs> There's just a lot of ways that you can use a monster like this outside of just needing a scary monster. It serves that purpose too. But speaking of beings in an unobserved state, I would like to thank my patrons. Autumn Alchemist, Orbs McMellons, RRSPQ, Vox, Caneroot, Warpony, Ducky, Get of Mathrox, BA Bravo, Arutvin, The First Layer, Bones Malone, Westheimer, and Ain't No Waifu. Thank you all for your support. 
If you would like to join them on the list of patrons, then please check out my link to Patreon in the description below. And while you're down there checking out the Patreon, don't forget to join the Discord server as well. That one is free. We are all in there talking about games. If you're looking for players in some of your World of Darkness games or Starfinder games, then this is a place for you. My name's Nathaniel. This has been The Maple Table. Thanks for stopping by, everyone.